0: A couple of weeks ago, I was out with my husband and a a group of friends, and he broke his sugar fast. Uh Those of you that don't know, my husband and I are on a 40-day sugar fast. And I was with my friend Blakely, and she says, can you tell me about that? Sugar really isn't as bad as you think. And I thought, we need to hear more from
1: her. Yes, we do. So in a little bit, we are going to have Blakely Page with us, and she's going to be talking about self-care, specifically as it relates to diet, rest, and healthy rhythms. Nice.
0: Welcome to the Moo Lily podcast. We are women who have given up on trying to live in perfectionism and guilt because, let's be honest, it just doesn't work. So, we're trying something different and choosing to live intentionally
1: and with hope. Please join us as we attempt to open the conversation and search out answers in a safe place. Good afternoon.
0: It's an exciting day because we are on location. We are. Here in the basement, the finished <laughs> basement that I have moaned about on the last few podcasts. So this is a victorious time. It is. So there was a bit of a conflict with my husband where we normally record. So I just said, hey, I'm just going to go to our neighbor's house. And here we are. And here we are. It's, it's an exciting day.
1: <laughs> it is exciting.
0: So our podcast is sponsored by Wooten Media. Yes, it is. Which is fantastic. And if you want more information about us, or you want to see just what we're up to, <laughs> when our faces look like, please check us out on com, or on Facebook and Instagram. Because
1: we're doing all those things.
0: We do. Not
1: spectacularly, but we're getting into it. It's a learning process. We're mm-hmm. growing. We're growing in it. That's yep. good. And I'm Christiana. Thanks for joining us. (laughs) (laughs) And that's Christina. (laughs) Yes, I'm
0: Christina. Uh, Sorry about that. Um, So today we're going to be talking about food and about sugar. I'm excited because I'm pretty passionate about
1: food Mm. in a lot of ways.
0: You are. You are quite the foodie.
1: You know, I try. What is it about food that interests you the most? I don't know. I I love cooking I love the melding of flavors and I actually I love agriculture and growing food and I love shopping I come from a family of grocers and I just love all the aspects of food and I'm huge because we have big gut problems like I'm huge into what can we do how can we eat so I've been on a long journey with it but I just I just love talking about food so So cool
0: so you've got two you've got kind of couple of different sides to the same coin because you l- you How love it as many has. sides as you want <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: different sides to the same
1: cube yeah that's also different. limiting you're
0: like a rubik's
1: cube rubik's cube. there we you've go you've got
0: many many facets yeah. um so you love the taste and exploring flavor I do. and you love creating food like yes. cooking it for yourself mm-hmm. and the process of which food mm-hmm. arrives Sum it up and you have the process of like struggling with food and yeah. how to navigate it and how to use food to like heal your body as well as nourish your body. And
1: yeah. wow, you're just so gifted. And <sighs> we, we, we've said this a couple of times, but you're so good at like summarizing who a person is in a way that's so like beautiful and honoring. And I think well, you also do it with... Thank you. This is what you mean. That was good. Good job.
0: Wow, thank you. I mean, mm-hmm. this honestly is a really fun journey, doing this with you, mm-hmm. Christiana, because we don't have a ton of history together. I know. So I feel like I'm learning about you as we do this. Yeah. So I was going to talk about my sugar fast, but I don't feel like I should say anything now. I want to hear what you, <laughs> the journey that you've been on, because <laughs> I don't have a very interesting story... Except that I eat far too much sugar, so I've been working on that. <laughs> so how did you
1: ascertain that you've eaten far too much sugar? Um, that is a good question. Well, did you feel a certain way? Were you feeling a certain way and you went, why do I feel this way? And did a little research and went, you know what? I, I feel like maybe I need to cut back on the sugar. No, a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> <your> face. <laughs>
0: I would like to say that that's the reason, but probably a lot of it is kind of like a peer pressure type thing. Um, Mm -hmm, Not necessarily from my peers in the sense of my friends, but just I hear so much about it and I hear everybody else talking about it. And I have a lot of friends that are very healthy and very health conscious. Mm. And I, so my dad, not my dad, my, well, my dad as well, my mom and dad, and my brother and I are... Um, just naturally kind of small people. You're skinny. Right. We have mm-hmm. very, very fast metabolism. Mm-hmm. And honestly, we can sort of eat whatever we want. And it doesn't make a big difference to our my weight. Hu- my husband's
1: like that completely, yeah.
0: Yeah. So I've been on like both ends of the spectrum. Like mm-hmm. I was a very serious dancer in high school. And so I ate deliberately to uh-huh. like build strength. Right. and And then – the other end where I was like, this doesn't make any difference. I'm just going to eat whatever I want. Like my brother would literally get up and eat cheesecake for breakfast. <laughs> so funny. Because he just didn't care. Um, and I think as I've had children, um, I've noticed a difference in my like energy levels and uh-huh. that kind of thing. And I've also noticed um, that I will go to sugar when I feel tired because yes. I think, oh, that's going to make me feel better. Yes. And it, when I'm stressed. So, there's uh-huh. a point in the afternoon, it's about an hour before dinner and yep. it's a little bit crazy and I'm like really tired and my brain's getting really foggy and I like start looking for M&Ms, you know. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, <laughs> I'm like, that's a really unhealthy process. In the couch process.
1: cushions. Right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> because i don't buy candy yeah. or like yeah. i do if we're like having a date night at home or yeah. something and i want to have some chocolate or i watch a movie but otherwise i try not to have it but anyway so i'm seeing these processes in myself that are unhealthy and i sort of often have thought if i really wanted to stop could i mm. and so this for so me was a bit of question a question
1: that all addict no just a test.
0: <laughs> well honestly i i've asked yeah. myself yeah. am i addicted to this yeah because yeah, I'm a sweet tooth and I love it, but it's it became like a daily part of my yeah. Eating and I just they do say it's more addictive than crack cocaine.
1: Like com like uh terms
0: of like the chemistry in your brain or whatever? Yes,
1: and really processed, refined right. white sugar.
0: So let's invite our guest.
1: Yes, let's. <laughs> and that's a <laughs> At great this way point to where i
0: like bad my soul, my <laughs> sugar addiction. So Blakely and I have, we go to church together and so we have a bit of history in, in leadership and discipleship and Blakely is a, an RDN, she sounds very serious, she's a registered dietitian nutritionist. She is a mom and a passionate disciple maker. So that's the context that I've gotten, gotten okay. to know Blakely. Um, she is one of the most deliberate people I know, thinking through and praying into everything that she that is a part of her life. Uh, and that includes the people that she chooses to invest in. And I've seen her really invest in people and bring people into her home and walk with them through challenging things. And it's so clear that she's really committed to seeing people grow and maintain growth um, spiritually, emotionally and physically. So... Thank you for being with us, Blakely. Yeah,
2: my pleasure. I'm excited to be here.
1: Welcome to the show. Thanks. (laughs) So I don't know you. This is always fun. It's always fun. Like, I don't know you. This is exciting. (laughs) So you've got this degree. You're registered dietitian, nutritionist. You work as a consultant to adults and children who have difficulty with food. This is fascinating because I have a kid with sensory issues who we saw a food therapist for a while. Yeah. And you put together menus for a local health food uh, store or restaurant?
2: Well, I've worked with um, PaleoFit is a local company that does awesome work. And I worked with them um, in various capacities throughout the years to do some nutritional analysis, to kind of vet some of their sources, to... You know, there's that sounds like FBI talk. Like well, about, about uh, the sources. Their CEO is super gracious and to bring me on board and let me, you know, say I like that, I don't like that, yeah. and, you know, it's pretty fun.
1: So, how the heck did you get into food in the first place? Can you tell us about the journey that led you down this path?
2: Yeah, it's quite interesting, and I think very provisional on the part of the Lord. When I went into college, Oklahoma State. University.
1: I was in Tulsa.
2: Well, there you go. I grew up in Oklahoma. Oh. Went to Oklahoma State. My sister and all of my friends were already there when I got there, and we are one hundred and one twenty-eighth. So one over 128th degree Native American, Choctaw Indian. I love that you know. <laughs> that's like you get government grants. Or so stuff. then you get scholarships. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and my sister. Who I have continued to just, you know, trailblaze behind throughout Mm. the years. (laughs) (laughs) She was getting a scholarship for Native Americans majoring in dietetics, so nutritional sciences. And she decided she was changing her major. And so my freshman year, I walked into her advisor's office and said any scholarship opportunities available for Native Americans? And she's like, well, your sister's changing majors. Do you want that one? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was like, sure. Because wow. I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I figured, well, I might as well get paid for something while well, I do all sure. my basic stuff and figure it out. Yeah. Lo and behold, I really enjoyed my intro to nutrition class and never had a strong reason to leave the major, so I just continued on. The other passion would have been full-time ministry, and at that juncture the wisdom and advice in my life was go ahead and get a degree. And if God's doing that, and if that's going to be a part of your story, it's going to be evident. You're not going to miss that by getting a college degree and something that you're qualified and trained to do. So I just continued on and the passion kind of grew. I never, I didn't leave that degree. I didn't finish college with like this can't wait to do nutrition. I left Mm -hmm. with this kind of thought of, Maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do something else, but at least I'm trying to do something. You know, that's valid. Long story short, throughout getting a master's at Fuller Seminary, throughout various job changes and various um, food revolutions, food revelations of my Mm -hmm. own, Mm -hmm. passion began to develop as I moved closer to nutrition that I believe in. So when I've – the first five or so years of my career – I was not actually that passionate about nutrition because what I had been trained in really mm-hmm. didn't work that well. Mm-hmm. So when I began investigating outside the box and more holistic alternative mm-hmm. ideas and found some actual breakthrough for myself yeah. and sa- found some things that began to work for other people, saw a breakthrough in kids, hmm. I thought, okay, maybe I can get on board with this. I just have to swim upstream and go a little bit rogue yeah so that's what I've been doing the past five years. She went rogue guys is going rogue, which is not that rogue anymore, but five or six years ago, yeah you know gluten free supplementation, probiotics um right.
0: it wasn't as popular it, it was wasn't an, a, yeah questionable mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. exactly so that's kind of been my journey. I have a a real area of passion around um nutrition with kids, mm. particularly children with special needs um and I'm learning how to incorporate that more into. My current position, which is working at a functional medicine doctor's office that's three awesome. days a week. So, really cool to get to kind of dive all in there. So, that's kind of my my story. I also am a foodie and love food and have always loved cooking. Mm. And What's your favorite restaurant in Kansas City? Ooh, favorite top, restaurant top in two. Kansas top City. Two. I would probably... Top two... I'd probably have to go with maybe rye. Heck yeah. Give me a high five right yeah. now. Rye <laughs> yeah. and then... Yeah, I can't think of another one. There's so many. I've never even heard of that restaurant. Well, Well, we're going to have to fix that. We'll need a field trip. Yes. (laughs) A field trip. (laughs) If you'd like to join us on this. Yeah. Field trip podcast. podcast. At Rye. Experience. That's right. They've got a great patio. Nice.
0: Mm.
2: Anyway, I can't think of a number two because there's just so many that are right up there. Yeah. But, I mean, pretty much the place that has fresh food Mm -hmm. with ingredients that I trust Mm -hmm. and plenty of gluten-free options, I'm in. Nice. So. Very Very cool. Very exciting.
1: Very (laughs) exciting to me. I love to talk about food. So,
0: something that I found challenging and honestly a little bit confusing is what is the difference between, like, managing your diet, quote-unquote, just to be healthy, And being on a diet because you have to lose weight, because I feel like everywhere you look, there's all this pressure Mm. to lose belly fat and to tone up this and lose weight and lose five pounds in three days and blah, 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 blah. It seems to be anything to do with diet seems to be about weight. Mm. Right. Um, And whether you're trying to lose weight or you're not, that's not necessarily a healthy mindset, like emotional process. In your opinion, what's the difference
2: yeah, that's a great question. And I will say straight off the bat that the nutrition world is absolutely chaotic. Yeah. And it's maddening at times to know who to listen to, what to buy into, who do you trust. Um, I even feel that way as a professional sometimes, having to weed through the chaos of so the how information. how do you
1: steer yourself?
2: I steer myself, oftentimes, the same principle that I steer a lot of my life, what is peace versus pressure? Mm. Ooh, and so pressure portable. is that's you've... Portable. Write it down. the pressure says you've got to be this do this make this work you've got to lose the belly fat you've got to be a certain size you've got to be a certain mantra a certain lifestyle you've got to be a a paleo vegan you've got to be (laughs) a which if you know anything about either of those it's slightly contradictory (laughs) although I just wrote a three series blog on plant dominant paleo which takes the best of both worlds there you Hmm. go um so all the shoulds and nots, if we're basing our life around those based on someone else's successes, someone else's point of view, then we just live under this constant mirage of pressure, looking at these totally unrealistic perceptions of other people's lives. When you know everybody who writes a book or has a blog, they've got their personal story that got them to that place. right? right. And it's not always your backstory. So mm-hmm. their outcome or what they needed to heal their gut or to lose the weight or to eliminate the brain fog. That's all been their personal journey and it may not be yours. And so we have to look at these things from a lens of what do I need? What is happening in my story and what is peace for me versus pressure? And oftentimes peace is not always the easiest thing. So I might feel really peaceful about making a diet change or making a lifestyle change, even though it's not easy, mm, but right. really good point. And mm-hmm. so the peace versus pressure concept can can play a role because we can actually listen for what's next in our life, oftentimes based on that kind of gut feeling that could be, you know, you could look at it two ways. If you follow Jesus, you can, th- you can know that that's likely the Holy Spirit giving you some direction. Right, if you're was- still wondering about what that hearing God is like or what that means, then oftentimes our gut is much better regulator than we mm-hmm. give it credit for.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, like, there's a total faith element to that, like that verse that says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The thing that you read in the word that confirms what you are deciding to do or the thing that you sense in prayer, hear from the Lord... might be really hard. Like it might mm-hmm, be a very difficult right. thing to walk out. But right. there's there's faith that comes with that. There's a piece that's like, okay, this is what I need to do. Right. Yep. Um, Just, I mean, an example so of that is you that with pressure. the sugar.
2: You right. know, you had a sense, I need to look into this. I need to do something with this. Right. So you went on a little journey with it and did some investigating in your own world with it. Mm-hmm. The difference is someone who's fearful of eating the wrong thing, Mm -hmm. someone who's fearful of not getting their gut healed or someone who's fearful of what sugar will do to them or fearful of, you know, and it's fear-based. There's caution to be used with all types of foods. There's caution Mm -hmm. to be used in how we choose foods for our own selves and for our family, but is it fear-based? And I see a lot of women oftentimes very subconsciously responding to fear. Yeah. So if I don't lose this belly fat, if I am not this size, then how will the world view me? How how will my what will my identity be? Mm-hmm. What will my confidence be? And not to say those things aren't intertwined, how we feel about our bodies, how active and um, how much energy we have, our self-perception, that's, it's all connected. Mm-hmm. But I'm, am I making my daily lifestyle choices based on pressure and fear because of what other people are saying and doing? Or am I stopping, taking some deep breaths, centering myself and say, what is next for me? Yeah. And that's I think excellent. that's some kind of distinctions that one can make in trying to navigate the food world. Is that it you know there's I think there's times to do things that might seem a little bit more extreme for for a specific issue but generally when I'm recommending those things it's because there's a severe issue going on that person is debilitated for right. one reason or another yeah. so we' we need to do some major changes it to get them functioning again
0: response yeah
2: but doing extreme things for minor issues is where we get into some disordered thinking mm-hmm. So I want to lose five more pounds, or I want to look like that, and I'm going to do a very extreme, regimented, hardcore diet to get there.
0: Right.
2: That's a disproportionate response to the issue at hand. Exactly. So maybe you look back and say, "Okay, is there actually something happening inside me that's not actually about the food?"
1: Mm-hmm. It's I so d- no. No, you uh, go.
2: Okay. Ahead.
1: It's it's so specific to each individual is what I gather from that. Like, I I really believe there's some overarching rules that kind of govern all, you know. Right, there's principles that that are going to apply
2: to most people. But it's so specific and individual.
1: And yeah.
2: I think particularly for women, because the protocol or the regimen or the way we eat doesn't necessarily need to be super specific at all times. But how a person comes to the conversation about food is so specific to their story Mm -hmm. and their history. Mm -hmm. I mean, food and memories, food and relationships, food and culture are so intertwined. We can't just throw out ideas and comments and perspectives about food out there lightly and not expect that it's not going to hit on a personal place for some people. And it's not going to be the same for everybody. So it's a place that I've learned over 10 or so years of experience in the field to tread lightly as far right. as conversations about food, do, I mean, the dogma, the always and never type concepts, uh-huh. those just limit people and get them confused and anxious.
1: <laughs> so I think if you're doing your job well, too, you're tender with people's hearts. Like that's exactly. what I hear. Exactly. Is that you're conscious of all that. So you're, you're tender in their place, even of pain right. and of weakness or of deep emotions and feelings. right.
2: And also at times unapologetic with what they might need to do. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because we can ignore and explain away some of the things going on in life no. that we actually need to address. No. And it's a tender, it, delicate balance yeah. but for everybody. But
0: it's not loving to not speak to That's that right. thing or to share the exactly. insight that you have as a professional that we
2: right. would
1: take much, much, much longer. Not if health is the goal, never. right? Because it's not going to change. Right, if health is the goal.
2: Right. And even the concept of health is kind of wonky sometimes. <laughs> but when I, I'm often looking through and... The lens of spiritual, emotional, physical. Mm-hmm. So if I'm doing something for someone's physical health and it's totally derailing them mentally and emotionally, then what's, right. that's not valuable. That's not healthy.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so we have to keep all of those spheres kind of in perspective. At least I do as the, as the professional. I want to be watching and listening for the other aspects of their life too.
0: Yeah. So let's get a little bit specific as like have a look at sugar. So I read this article recently and it said a whole list of like quote-unquote healthy foods that are actually loaded with sugar and I feel like I read things like this all the time and I it just gives me like this pit in my stomach because I feel like I have to rethink my whole life mm-hmm. and there's yeah. like – the financial element and there's the lifestyle element like i have five children and a busy life and a budget and it's like how what what do i do now like right so anyway this list it was whole wheat bread which we eat every day yogurt and then all these like kind of protein things because we've all kind of oh, i i will speak for myself i've sort of learned that you know protein is a is a better longer lasting source of energy it's better in terms of your metabolism what if I'm understanding this correctly, what your body doesn't need, it passes as opposed to storing it. Mm-hmm. So there's like jerky, like protein drinks and protein bars and then granola bars and granola, which is more of a carb, but all of those right. things are like loaded with sugar. So can you set us straight a little bit? Like yes, definitely. What do we avoid?
2: Um, what are some things to look for? right. And sugar is almost to me around parents kind of like, it's almost like you st- you're talking about vaccines or something. It's like it's can become this really controversial thing. Mm-hmm. And I know I've offended my share of people over the years and talking about sugar, but we'll just ask for grace and space to everybody make their own decision for their family. But, um, the thing with sugar is that it's not, it's not straightforward. There's so many different types of sugar. Mm that when you're looking at that list of Pinterest foods or um, you know a magazine article that says all these healthy quote foods are loaded with sugar in some regards that's absolutely true um, but we've got to look at what type of sugar so the processed sugar in the form of regular cane sugar um, all your corn syrups high fructose corn syrup yeah. all those highly processed refined likely from you know from a GMO usually from a GMO beet um, mm-hmm. a GMO source, all of those are, are very, very dysregulatory to the body and the brain. Okay. It also sucks out and requires a bunch of minerals mm-hmm. to process them. So in so, order to
0: turn that sugar into energy, to burn it, you have to have... The
2: body has to use extra B minerals. And, so right. magnesium is a good example of that. A lot of people right now are magnesium deficient. A lot of children true. are magnesium deficient. And sugar requires like, I think... I. I may have this wrong. I think it's 40 or 60 magnesium molecules to, to break it down. Wow. Not the same case for some of your naturally occurring sugars. Okay. And so when we look at the load that some of our bodies are under, when we add in the processed sugar, when we add in the food dyes and the chemicals, when we add in just the stress that American culture brings, Mm -hmm. it's requiring a lot of minerals to do those functions. And we're not often replacing those minerals. And so we just end up trying to keep up. And so Mm -hmm. on the sugar front, I am pretty passionate about the refined sugar idea Mm -hmm. because I think it's derailing the mental and emotional health of a lot of people. So that feeling of I'm hungry, I'm tired, it's 4 o'clock. Right. Husband's not going to be home till five or five thirty. I've got to start getting dinner made, and I just want sugar. I just want something to make me feel better.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's something to pay attention to because sugar does make us feel better. It right. it when they do MRIs and that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. it lights up the pleasure centers in our brain. Mm-hmm. The same things that are activated by you know the mantras, kind of drug, sex, and rock and roll.
0: Yeah.
2: Right. So those pleasure centers in our brain that make us feel. Better and satisfied, and you know the same thing as sex and drugs. Sugar does that in our brain. Wow! So I can't deny its effects in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, some of your less processed sugars, like honey, maple syrup, um, coconut sugar to some degree, those don't have such an aggressive effect. They also don't. They also have minerals in them. So, like a good source of raw honey from a local source. Your organic maple syrup, those are actually have some high mineral contents. So not, yeah, you're getting a blood sugar rise and you're getting some energy from them. It's not something you exist on all day long. It wouldn't be the best way for you. But adding something's right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's no that's <laughs> not, not your mineral source. <laughs> just going to drink gonna, a bottle of yeah. syrup here. Don't use, you know, the movie elf as an example of how to get your minerals <laughs> right. in when you're drinking maple syrup. <laughs> but when we get when we can just tweak our quality a little bit to get a slightly higher quality version, mm-hmm. then we can actually do have an opportunity for a beneficial food there. And to have something that's nutrient dense while also having something sweet that's enjoyable, which particularly with kids, I don't want to strip all of that away, but there's ways we can tweak it and get some of the refined sugars out, get some of the food dyes out by making some of our own stuff or tweaking our quality a little bit. Um, And, you know, it never stops as a parent of having to navigate these things with your kids. Right. And I mean, I was standing in my daughter's daycare classroom the other day and someone handed me this package and said can your daughter have this because they know she's gluten free and dairy free and you know that we're those people one of those weird I'm happy to be (laughs) proud of it it's
1: my whole family
2: (laughs) yeah and I look at it I don't look at what the package is it's just kind of happening in the chaos of drop-off and I'm looking at the package and I see like sugar 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 like three different names for sugar and then F, D, and C, number this, F, D, and so food dye, food dye, food dye, like literally like five in a row listed. So the only thing this thing had in it was sugar and food dye. And I look at that and I'm thinking, no, we can't, we can't do that. Or I'm not, I don't want her to have that. Mm-hmm. Not even thinking what the food is, I turn it over, it's jelly beans. And that, if oh. I would have seen jelly beans first, I would have probably would have been like, oh yeah, she can have a few of those. Because it also has this section that says, vegan, gluten-free, soy-free, <laughs> fat-free, you know? Oh. <laughs> and so the marketing is so misleading because you look at that section and you're like, oh, well, you know, that's a good food. You right. look at the ingredient list and it's sugar and dye. And I think those are two things that we're tempted to get riled up about. Mm-hmm. And there's debate and issue around, you know, being legalistic or dogmatic about those things, but I can't deny that they're having an effect on our children. And so I can't not bring it up. But to your issue with the sugar fast real quickly, you know, carbohydrates and sugar aren't aren't the same thing. So the processed sugar is really where I try to keep it low. But having some foods with carbohydrate in them with no added sugar to them, I think there's a place for that. I don't think we have to, just if we're going to get sugar out, we don't have to be carbohydrate free as well. Right. And so using some honey or some maple syrup or molasses um, to sweeten things, I think completely has its place in totally normal eating. Having can- regular candy here and there, you know, birthday parties, just that that's all normal life. And it's not like we don't do that. It's just not our main, it's just not the mainstay.
1: So talk about real quick, them doing the sugar fast. Mm-hmm. Is this a good decision and
2: how is it going to benefit her? It's a great question. I think it it is a good decision because she recognized there's something off in how I'm responding to this. Mm-hmm. I n- I'm not sure if I could say no to it. I'm not sure if I don't need it. And that's a good indicator. Maybe I should pay attention to this. Right. Um, she also is coming from a place without... From what I know of Christina, there's not a lot of food baggage. You know, She <laughs> no. doesn't have a history of an eating disorder. She's not constantly looking for the next part of her health to improve or to work on or to try this or yeah. do that. So for someone yeah. who's in many regards not doing much in that arena to stop and say, maybe I need to pay attention to this. Maybe there's something about how I'm eating that could affect how I'm feeling I think and it's a, it's appropriate to do a reset every now and then. There's times where I do a reset button where I'm kind of like, okay, I, I think that I'm a little bit out of my element as far as how I'm managing food. I pull back and do a reset and kind of par back and then move on from there. So I, I think it was a wise choice because she noticed something's, some, some, something is <laughs> off in how I'm relating to sugar. Mm-hmm. And so you stop and you do something sometimes more aggressive for a short time but you keep your perspective about it yeah. and you recognize I'm not a bad person if I break my fast.
1: Right. Talk yeah.
2: about the morality thing. Yeah. So it's tempting with food for our palaces to become our prisons. So something that has its place mm-hmm. and has its role as a reset button or as a place to improve our health or to get some sort of functionality back, whether it's energy, foggy brain, um, you know, learning capability for kids when there's a reason for it. Yeah. And we get to this place of grace and we're like, okay, this is something that I need to pursue and need to work on. It's tempting for that to get rigid mm-hmm. and versus to start mm-hmm. feel like if I don't follow through with what I said I was gonna do or if I don't do this perfectly every day, then that says something about who I am. Mm. Identity. Identity. Right. And so when our food choices begin affecting our identity, it's another place to say, wait a second why am I doing this? And do I, am I getting to a place that's too legalistic? That's too rigid. That's too narrow minded. Am I starting to judge other people for what they're doing and have opinions about how other people should be eating as the professional people think that I'm often watching what they eat and they don't realize (laughs) I couldn't care less. (laughs) I do that as my job. I'm not really watching what they're eating for dinner when we're out socially or when, you know, I'm with their children. Um, But it's a good benchmark to to think about is what was a place of grace and a place of obedience or a place of abundance? Is it now becoming a place of rigidity and a place of where I'm feeling like I've failed or I'm not as good as I was if I have a piece of candy when I said I was on a sugar fast? Hmm. There's a place for follow through. There's a place for perseverance. There's a place to start something and finish it well, but not at the cost of our identity.
1: It's good. That's just good. I'm I'm in conversations because okay, so we've been on this journey for so long Mm -hmm. about to healing, food healing. Anyway. I talk to a lot of moms and right. we've been talking there. It becomes, I love that the palace becomes your prison and judgment can come in when you're looking at, when you actually see someone else's kid and they've had so much red dye 40, like their attention span is too sick. You know, like when you right. tangibly can see the effects of what's happening in other family. Right. And there's, there's pride, so much pride can come in. Well, I'm doing right. it the right way, you know, and just being aware of that. Yeah.
2: And if you would just do this, then your kid's going to do so much better. Uh huh. Sometimes there's some truth in that, but you're not their parent. Right. Mm-hmm. And you don't know maybe sometimes what they've already tried, you know? Yeah. But yeah, yeah anyway, continue and, on about that thought. The guilt too, I think of, because
1: I've got, you know, I've had a friend or two who had very difficult seasons where either they were separated or going through a horrible divorce or um, a sibling had died. And they're generally people who eat. Really well for their bodies. But in those seasons, um, there were more donuts and more wine. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, Amen and bless you. Yeah. Right. I feel like, but then they're feeling guilt like, well, right. and I think there's always this the moment where it's like, yeah, you you do need to shift again back towards what, how you need to eat because you know that you're now making your depression worse or whatever, right? right. Like it gets complicated. But I feel like we have to be so hands-off in talking to Jesus about our responses of our ha- heart about right. food yeah. and how we're looking at other people because it's complicated. Right. It is it's complicated.
0: very complicated. And that's important to remember because I think – Particularly, I'm like a very black and white thinker and I look mm-hmm. i look at something and I can make an assumption or come to a conclusion mm-hmm. so quickly without knowing the backstory and without right. knowing right. all the journey that they've been on. I think just to keep that in mind, to just st- start with grace and to yeah.
2: tread lightly, right.
0: as you said, Blakely, because it's such a
2: complicated issue. And I'm amazed at what some moms and what some families are willing to do in regard are capable of doing in regard to changing the way that they're eating mm-hmm. to improve the, the nutrition foundation for their kids when they've got the capacity and when they've got support right. and when they're able to do it the way that works for their family. And so oftentimes it's, it's really, you know, if I'm working with a family, say a family of children with a child with special needs, I'm looking first and foremost, what is mom's capacity? It's so good. What is her mental, emotional physical capacity to implement changes. Because I can rush in with this brilliant plan of mm-hmm. what will really restore and change the the health of this child and potentially give them back learning capability, give them some language. I mean, I've seen diet changes give a kid ten words in ten days. Wow. Who it was pretty much nonverbal. I love it. I've seen kids sleep through the night for the first time at age two or three when we removed gluten. I've seen mm-hmm. kids who are four and five who were unable to potty train, potty train. A food that we'd taken out gets introduced back in and they yep. immediately revert Perfect. to incontinence. Wow. Yeah. I've seen these things happen. So I know that the effect of our food system on our children is incredibly powerful and we are in large part in denial of it. Mm. But I also recognize if it is going to completely derail the health and stability of the rest of the family, uh-huh. we need to take it slower. If a mom yeah. will not does not have the patience, to parent her children well because she's so stressed and so intently trying to implement a gluten-free diet in the perfect way, then we need to step back and say, okay, maybe gluten-free Lucky Charms aren't the end of the world for right now. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. And so, you know, it's one of those things where, again, physical, mental, emotional, and moms are oftentimes the crooks of that food conversation because even though it's not always the case, generally... Moms are still the ones who are purchasing food and making decisions about food in in homes.
0: And if mom doesn't like eggs, then the kid's not going to like eggs because I'm not going to eat it if my mom's not eating it. You know, like our kids... And if mom's talking about her body all the
2: time Mm -hmm. and talking about food all the time and talking about how clothes fit all the time and talking about things, you know, this, oh, that food is so bad for us and, you know, having this dialogue about good and bad always, never that also shapes the food culture of a child. And we've got three, four, five-year-olds assessing their bodies in mirrors. And in large part, it's cultural and familial in nature, the root of that. Generally, um, uh, most times there's there's a mom who's tried so hard Mm. to deal with her own food stuff. And I am... Very cognizant of my own food issues, of my own struggles in that category. I don't come from a place of grace around food. I've always struggled with my weight. Um, I have a long history of diabetes in my family. I've mm. got the same general makeup of that side of the family. Wow. And so I don't come at this with, with no pain associated okay. with it. One of the reasons I didn't want to be a dietitian was because of the guilt and shame cycles that I would be in. Mm. If I'm a dietitian, why can't I lose weight? Right. I lived under that for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so I don't come at any of this lightly. I don't offer suggestions for change lightly because I know it's not easy. Um, but we also, we can't dig our head in the sand and continue this generation of right. kids who are, mm-hmm. in many respects, not doing well.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm. I feel like we've sagged
1: right in. Like we're talking about self-care yeah. right right now. And food is this huge factor. But there's so much to be said for rest and healthy, balanced rhythms. So can you talk some about what else plays into
2: our body's ability to function at its best? Right. Food is actually not the main component, Okay, <laughs> I would say. Please don't say sleep because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's my job to talk about food. I naturally go there. It's an yeah. inevitable part of our day yeah. and our life, but the emotional and mental stress The amount of sleep a person gets. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) I know, I know, I know. Significantly plays into (laughs) our body's ability to do what it's designed to do. I think, on many fronts, our bodies are incredibly resilient.
0: Right. And
2: sleep and stress require our bodies to go into survival mode, Mm -hmm. Mm. and that dysregulates our vitamin mineral absorption. It dysregulates our gut health. It dysregulates our mental and emotional health but also our cravings. So when we're mm-hmm. sleep deprived mm-hmm. and we're stressed, most every woman can attest to those cravings going up. Even, yeah. you know, men too, that I was just talking to someone yesterday who was saying, um, at night when he's tired and stressed, he will just guzzle milk. Hmm. He'll eat a whole mm-hmm. bag of chips in one sitting while he reads a book. And it's, it feels good. Yeah. And that's right. his response to stress. If he didn't live the intense, Fast pace, nonstop. Wake up at four thirty. Be incredibly overcommitted. Life, mm-hmm. and he slept a full night. Chances are, those cravings would not be so significant. Now, the caveat to that is, moms in this toddler stage years, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. being sleep deprived sometimes isn't an option. Right, yeah. or it just comes. With it the just territory. It comes with the territory, and so the ways that we care for ourselves around that can make a huge difference in not only our nutrition, but our mental health and all of that. So being gracious to ourselves in some of those times, even our self-talk, the way that we orient around what we need, asking for help, all of those things, they just, they're just they all included. And we don't talk about our physical body without looking at our emotional and physical health because they're all intertwined. We are a whole system. That's right. Give us like three
1: principles to guide how now – We're talking about like it's specific. Everyone has their own narrative. Right. What's going to work for my body and be nurturing for my body may not be for her body. But what's like three principles that would be well to steer by?
2: Yeah. I would say one is to work as hard as possible. Not work as hard as possible. That's probably it's like totally counterintuitive to what I'm about to say. (laughs) But one would be to try to do to listen to your body. And listen to what it's saying as far as the cravings. Um, What's it it asking for? That might sound really silly, Mm -hmm. but I think oftentimes we can recognize things when we just stop and pay attention. So Christina noticed that her body was asking for a lot of sugar and she (laughs) recognized, okay, that might not be the best place to lean in. (laughs) Right. But, you know, there's times where I actually crave vegetables, so I'll lean into that. Right. So listen to your body. And be willing to honor and hear what your body is telling you even if it's not what you want it to <laughs> yeah am I tired am I craving am I irritable? am I wanting more vegetables today am I wanting more carbs today am I wanting more fruit today? One day is not the whole picture mm-hmm. so listen to your body eat more vegetables mm-hmm. that's the one thing every dietitian can agree on I don't agree with a lot of things that that a lot of dietitians say mm. Mm-hmm. But eat more vegetables is always going to be one of them because we still don't get enough. We still struggle. Right. I still struggle with getting enough in the house, with getting enough cooked, to get enough eaten. So vegetables are so important
1: because what do they contain that makes them so necessary?
2: Yeah, they, can t- they contain a wide variety of vitamins and minerals, obviously, but they also contain phytochemicals, which are antioxidants. Mm. And so our protection against... Um, Chronic disease, our protection against um, even immune-related issues, like getting sick—all of those have to do with antioxidants. They also contain really high mineral contents, and there's minerals are are needed in like every single pathway in our body. So if you broke down every single little chemical pathway in our body, which there's thousands of them, you're always going to see minerals, calcium, magnesium, phosphorus. You're always going to see those as necessary parts for those processes to work for those systems to stay connected and keep functioning so we can really get some good mineral content and just get our 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 antioxidants we can get our there's just there's so much to it even water content fiber our gut health and all of that stuff is connected to these vegetables
1: okay they're important
2: they're important (laughs) they're incredibly important Um, A kid who won't eat vegetables, don't freak out about it. Just keep offering them to them. Just put them on the plate. Don't bother them about it. Don't make them eat them. If you want to encourage them to try them, they can kiss it. They can touch it to their lips. They can take Mm -hmm. a lick. Mm -hmm. Um, They can kiss it goodbye and put it back down on their plate. So we're not making children eat their vegetables. That's going to come back to bite us later on. (laughs) So if you've got a children under five or under three, who's completely uninterested and unwilling to eat vegetables, just keep offering them. They just go on the plate and that's all you have to worry about. Hmm. You're not going to most likely have an adult. My mom was just saying the other day, we had a cousin who would eat like barbecue and potatoes. And that was like all he ate for like his whole childhood. (laughs) And now he's like one of like, he absolutely loves vegetables. He's incredibly healthy. He's really passionate about nutrition and, so you can't make assumptions of what your toddler's doing that their nutrition is doomed for the rest of their life. Right. Where parents get into trouble is when they stop offering them. Mm. They feel like they're being wasted. The kid doesn't want it on the plate. They're fussing about it. And so they stop getting exposure to it. It's, it then becomes an abnormal part of life instead of a completely normal part of life. Oh. Mm-hmm. Listen because to your body. Yeah. Eat your vegetables, which includes offering them okay. to your children. And then third, I would say, um, do as much as you can to reduce the, the chemicals and the sugar for the whole family. Um, because, you know, as much as they're going to be part of our daily life, they're part of all our cult- culture and part of our world. I think I don't know a person in the world who would benefit from more of them. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's a great way of putting it. So I can stand pretty confidently on that principle that doing what we can to lower the chemical food dyes and the su- and the processed right. sugar for our families is, is one that's going to stand the test of time because food manufacturing companies are not um, – they're still wanting to manufacture things that are most palatable, right. and that's going to include chemicals and sugar.
1: Hmm.
2: Wow.
0: So without opening a whole another kind of worms, could you speak briefly to – artificial sweeteners because that was yeah, part of the conversation exactly. that we had that night that was so interesting to me is that you know artificial sugars have do all these crazy things to your brain that you're actually better off just eating the crappy sugar sometimes yeah
2: I think when it comes down to things like aspartame and saccharin and sucralose mm-hmm. so that would be in order equal sweet and low splenda right I think those three are as problematic as just the cane sugar. I feel like I'm going to die when I have those. I feel worse than when I have sugar. Often, many people do. And there's people who are highly sensitive. I know people who the smallest amount of aspartame will kick in a migraine within minutes. Mm. Yeah. Mm I know Um, people
0: that are like fully addicted. Like they cannot go three hours without a Diet Coke.
2: It's very true. Mm -hmm. And there is an addictive principle to even the sweet taste Mm. and to the chemical of the the aspartame and how it produces phenylalanine and all these other chemical things. Um, So in the diet Coke deal is, is, is really interesting and almost a whole nother podcast. The way people actually gain weight switching from regular soda to diet soda. Yeah. I've seen Um, that
1: happen.
2: Yeah. And so those, that category of artificial sweeteners, I believe is very problematic and shouldn't be a replacement for sugar. However, there's a category of sweeteners, so non-nutritive sweeteners, so they don't provide any calories or any glucose response or any, like, sugar, that I think do have a place and are very safe. Particularly because I do some consulting with pediatric cancer, who we're really trying to get, sometimes on a ketogenic diet, sometimes getting the sugar very low Mm -hmm. to really help this cancer-fighting process. Things and, and I use these in my family a lot, and I've started to cook more with them to try to get the sugar out but not be that family who never has anything sweet in the house or never right. has that, you mm-hmm. know, I don't want my child going to the neighbor's house to eat all their cookies because I never <laughs> have any. Hit. So yeah. I'm just making different types of things. So we have desserts relatively often. Um, so those sugars are stevia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um erythritol and xylitol mm-hmm. erythritol and xylitol are sugar alcohols and the research is very clear on how inert those essentially are It's not something we just completely overload our system with um i mean you overload your system with spinach day in and day out and some people I can should. have an oxalate overload <laughs> you know <laughs> so we still use common sense yeah, still has yeah, its yeah. place but using some, some of your stevia to sweeten things, using there's lots of blends out there now like Swerve and Z-Sweet. There's one called Zero um, where they're non-nutritive sweeteners and it can give us really fun, really enjoyable, really great tasting desserts without this, the sugar conversation, without having to say, no, you can't ha- have more of that. Mm-hmm. So I made this cashew bread recently and I added chocolate. I added cocoa powder and stevia to it and made chocolate bread instead of the regular one. And, you know, my daughter thinks it's the best thing ever. She gets wow. chocolate bread yeah. for snack. And I'm not having this internal yeah. dialogue of how much, how many brownies am I going to let her have? When am I uh-huh. going to cut her off? How do yeah. I, are we going to have this big deal about it? hmm and so it can take the pressure off some of those things by using some of those non-nutritive sweeteners. Now, I don't have any problem with using some honey and maple syrup and all of that when there's not a, a medical reason to avoid those uh-huh. sweeteners.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, but the aspartame, sucralose, um, saccharin are problematic and I would avoid them. So good. So good. That, thank you for the like specific
0: things because... Sucralose is one that I was led to believe was good or was uh, acceptable. Right. <laughs> good was the right word. <laughs> <Acceptable>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's super, super helpful. I think we're probably going to wrap it up yeah. there. That was, so.
1: that was excellent. I feel like what I take away from the thing, well, everything, just fantastic information. So good lovely Good. to meet you yes <laughs> I yeah. think the thing too that sticks with me is the peace like looking for peace in the way we're handling this whole thing like right. not letting your palace become your prison and what was the other thing that was so quotable she said pressure pressure See? yeah whatever it was you said
2: I think just the peace versus pressure peace yes versus peace pressure. versus pressure
1: yeah I, I feel like for me be, and I'm you know I'm like neck deep in this whole experience already but right to keep that Just to keep those two things like in the forefront of how I'm handling and processing, however it is I'm doing this thing that we're doing with food, is just gold. Like that's gold to me. Yeah. What about you, Christine? I
0: mean, I was going to say exactly the same thing. The the peace versus pressure. Um, Listening to your body and responding, not like Mm. reacting. So. So... There's so much around us and it it pulls on us not just in terms of our body and our food but in so many different directions and that it is – it is complicated and it's like deep and there's so many factors to consider but to say – not to like jump off the deep end in one aspect to, ne- to the neglect of everything else. So to listen to your body and then say, okay, how does this work? How does this relate to how I view myself and what am I, what am I feeling? Yeah. And go lean in, as you said, w- and where there's peace, like where this feels right. Even if it's a difficult choice, uh-huh. not to just do the thing that that person said
2: or I saw that amazing result with their kids, well, I have to do that. Yeah. Um, and get help when that's confusing. Oftentimes, the people in my office—they're—they have nutrition background. They have all the knowledge. They just need someone to help them organize it and prioritize right. it for mm-hmm. them. Mm. It's good, good
1: differentiation.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: So good. So thank you so much for being with us, Blakely. Oh, you my are pleasure. so fun. Yeah, you're such a great example and very practical as well as very smart. And very relatable because you are like us in the chaos of life, uh, and you're doing it well. So I think we've got a lot to chew on.
1: Mm-hmm. Today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> chew on? Chew on. <laughs> <laughs> now <laughs> you, you did it. Up. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Got a lot to chew on. <laughs>
0: you
1: make me laugh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm actually really bad at puns. That wasn't on purpose, but that fit really. It well. was an
1: accidental pun. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> So, just wrapping up, next time we're together, we have someone who's very dear to my heart. Her name is Shirley Brownhill. She's the director of YWAM Perth, which is one of the largest YWAM bases in the world. Wow. Um, I, James and I met there. Uh, I was on staff in Wyoming, Perth for about five years. And she's going to be in town and has agreed to come and just share with us. We're going to be talking still under the same theme of self-care, but as it relates to relationships mm-hmm. and living in community and and doing that well and how those emotional connections or lack of affect so much of our well-being. So okay. You're not going to want to miss that one. Super. Does she have an accent? She does. Yes. Much thicker than mine. Awesome. See (laughs) you then. Bye, guys. (laughs)